Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. You can tell the author is trying to make it interesting, mm-hmm. and then you know they're failing at it. Ben, I have a secret to tell you. Mm-hmm. The author was my college professor. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, readers. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 134. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, I have big news. My 2018 Summer Reading Guide is now live on my blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy. This is my personal hand-curated collection of 25, now 26, of the season's best reads. I've read and loved every one myself, and I tell you what you need to know so you can decide which books are right for your summer reading list. Get the guide at modernmrsdarcy.com slash SRG. That's for Summer Reading Guide. modernmrsdarcy.com slash SRG. My guest this week is Ben Huntington, a young audiobook fanatic who chews three stories at an exhilarating rate. We're talking reading The Hobbit in one week. Today, I'll be recommending a ton of great audiobook series to keep his reading list full all summer long. This is an episode the whole family can enjoy, full of books perfect for road trip entertainment. And stay tuned till the very end because I have some follow-up commentary from Ben and his mom, including funny jokes and helpful resources for topics we discuss in today's episode. Let's get to it. Ben, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's a delight to talk to you. I've gotten to email some with you and your mom about how you don't want to change anything in your reading life, except that you need more books. So I'm hoping we can accomplish that today. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you right now? What grade are you in? What city do you live in? I'm at school right now in our library. I'm in sixth grade and I live in Carborough. It's like right next to Chapel Hill. It's in uh, North Carolina. Any special bookish or literary things that happen in your city? No, but at our school, an author named Kwame Alexander visits every year. So actually, he's on my list of books that surely you should know about, but you've probably already read. But it never crossed my mind that you might have met him personally. I am totally jealous. I have two signed books. Oh, now you're just showing off, Ben. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do you like that style, the novel in verse? 
I never really read his books. So I, <laughs> I don't like the um, novel and verse. But I hear you like to read aloud or that you like audiobooks. Yeah. Could you tell me about that? I just, I'm not great at reading, so I prefer audiobooks. What do you mean by you're not great at reading? Oh, well, I have dyslexia, so it's sort of like hard for me to read. So I kind of just do audiobooks a lot instead of reading. Well, audiobooks are amazing. How did you figure out that you had dyslexia? I think I just got tested. I was really young, like five. Oh, really? Yeah. So it sounds like you didn't have to hate reading for a long time because it was hard without knowing why. So you probably found audiobooks when you were pretty young. Yeah. When I was that age, my mom usually just read to me instead uh-huh. of me getting an audiobook. Uh-huh. But once I got older, I started doing audiobooks instead. Very nice. Ben, how do you listen to your audiobooks? And the reason I'm asking is we get a lot of questions from parents who say, I read aloud to my kids, but I think they'd also love to be able to read audiobooks when and where they want to. What kind of technology do you recommend? Do you recommend CD players or an iPhone app? What do you use, Ben? I use Audible Mm -hmm. and I usually listen to my audiobooks with some annoyed remarks from my parents because I don't always use headphones. So, <laughs> yeah. So about how long does it take you to listen to an audiobook? The Hobbit took me under a week. The Hobbit is not short, Ben. Most books take me a day or two. Really? Since your family apparently is listening to these audiobooks sometimes anyway, if you skip the headphones, have there been any that you all have all really enjoyed? We didn't do this one on audio, mm-hmm. but... My mom read this one out loud. It was Charlotte's Web. E.B. White, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Ben, have you always loved stories or is that something that you've kind of grown into as you've gotten older? I have kind of like always liked stories, but I've grown more into it when I got older. Is that because it's something you like to do every day or is there a book that really made you go like, oh, I should be reading all the time? I think it was just something that sort of happened one day. Very cool. So I know that you've listened to the podcast with your mom. So you know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you're reading now. And we will try to find some books you have not read yet, maybe you haven't even heard of yet, that you can add to your reading list since we know you really need more books. If you could give me series, that'd be even better since I go through books so fast. Because if I can recommend a series with three or five or 20 books, that's a lot more than just one. Mm -hmm. All right. I will see what I can do. You ready to tell me about your favorites? Mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. Ben, what's your first favorite? These two are kind of like both my first favorite, Sherlock Holmes and The Hobbit. I liked both of those a lot. Those are really different books. Okay, tell me about Sherlock Holmes. How did you happen to pick that up? I just sort of like murder mystery TV shows. And my dad was watching Sherlock. So I just kind of decided to try and read Sherlock Holmes. Okay, that's really funny because I never read Sherlock Holmes as a kid. I read Sherlock Holmes as an adult. I know, right? I think I had to read one story once in English class in seventh grade. But then I just never picked up any other ones when it was my choice. But... I watched the Sherlock show like your dad did and really, really loved it. But there aren't that many episodes. So when the episodes ran out and I needed my Sherlock fix, I got big old-fashioned compendium of Sherlock Holmes stories from the library. So that must have lasted you a while. Because he wrote a ton of stories. Which ones are your favorite? Uh, I really like Hound of the Baskerville. Mm -hmm. Creepy. I also really liked the um, Dancing Men one with the flags and the like hidden message. 
I forget exactly what it's called, but I think it's The Adventures of the Dancing Men. What makes these two Sherlock Holmes stories stand out out of all the ones you've read? They're both sort of like you think you know who it is and then it sort of changes and then it sort of just wall in your face and then it tells you what it is. So you like having to guess what might be happening next. Do you like figuring out the puzzle of a good story? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. And it's okay if it's a little bit creepy sometimes? Uh, Not too creepy, but like creepy enough. So a hint of creepiness is okay. Mm -hmm. Tell me about The Hobbit. The Hobbit? That's one of my favorite books since it's like Bilbo is awesome and Gandalf is amazing. How many times have you read The Hobbit, do you think? Uh, I think I've read it three times. That's serious. (laughs) Yeah. At first, it's not really like what you would think as an adventure story. It's a quiet little town with a bunch of old hobbits in it. Mm -hmm. And then Gandalf comes along and he's just like, hey, Bilbo, come with me. The whole thing starts and then they keep gathering more and more people. And then I like how they put that together. So when the author starts with an interesting, unexpected idea, that's a good thing. I think so. I think so too. And I think it's not just you, but I think it's awesome that you noticed, like, that's a really great setup for a story. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times people really like books, but they're not really sure. They can't put their finger on why. And I like that you're thinking about it. So those are far and away your two favorite books. Did you have a hard time choosing which other book or series you'd make your third favorite? Yeah. On the little thing that I sent you, I said the Penderwick series, Mm -hmm. but I think it might have to be the Hunger Games. Really? Okay. So I want to know if you just couldn't decide and couldn't decide and now you're changing your mind or did you just read the Hunger Games for the first time? I couldn't decide and couldn't decide. I think it's an amazing thing when readers can't decide because they've read too many good books and it's hard to choose. I'm reading The Hunger Games right now for the first time since, I don't know how long it's been. I read it right before the movie came out. How long ago was that? My sister watched it when he, she was um, 12, I think. Uh-huh. And now she's 16, so it might have been four or five years. I would totally believe that. I have two daughters. One is a little older than you and one's a little younger than you, but we are doing a mother-daughter book club together with some other mothers and daughters, and the daughters got to choose the book and they picked The Hunger Games. So I am reading it again, and my daughters are reading it for the first time. I'm proud of them. Okay, so how many times have you read The Hunger Games? And you mean the whole series, right? Yeah, I've read the whole series. I've only read Catching Fire twice. I think every other one I've read once. So how did you happen to read Catching Fire twice? I was going to watch the movie and then I couldn't really remember what happened in the book. So I went and reread it the day before we watched it. That's a good answer. What is it about the Hunger Games that grabs you? I just think like how it's set up. The districts are divided so that they don't have as much power. And then the capital isn't divided. So it has a ton of power. And also everybody in the capital that like watches it they don't think it's wrong because they've grown up with it like their whole lives so i like how the second or third book how they sort of change their minds and decide that the hunger games is wrong is this one of those books you read really fast the first one i read in a week and then the second one i read in maybe two weeks and then the third one i read like three days maybe do you tend to read faster if you want to know what's happening in the story yes 
Well, I wasn't sure if maybe you read faster on Saturdays because you had more time because you didn't have homework. Well, that sort of is why, but sometimes I go and play with my friends and then sometimes I just need some chill. So I'll do an audiobook. Audiobooks are a good way to chill. Yeah. I hear you. Ben, do you want to tell me about the Penderwicks since that was an almost favorite? I really liked how it was like all three of the books were from one perspective and then the last book was from a different perspective. I liked how that was. Ben, I have good news for you. Do you know there's about to be a new Last Penderwicks book? I did not know this. I think this is the actual last book in the series. It's called The Penderwicks at Last, and it's coming May 15th. Whoa. And if you listen to audiobooks, you probably don't have to wait on library waiting lists or anything. You probably just download it right away on Audible, right? I also do Overdrive, which Mm. is a different app, and Mm -hmm. that's a library app, Mm -hmm. but I might just skip the Overdrive wait list and (laughs) get it on Audible. Ben, is there a book you're not so crazy about that you could tell me about? I did homeschooling last year, Mm -hmm. and my mom made me read Story of the World, Mm -hmm. and that was, like, horrible. For people who don't know what the Story of the World is, would you tell us a little bit about it? It's pretty much a history book, yep. but it's like worse than a history book. <laughs> <laughs> what makes it worse than a history book? It's just like you can tell the author is trying to make it interesting mm-hmm. and then you know they're failing at it. So it's like even more not interesting. Oh, wow. Did your uh, mom make you read all four Story of the World books or just the first one? I think we got through three of them. I'm not sure we made it to the fourth. Audio or the paper book you can flip through? Oh, I had to read along with it as I did audio. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, I have a secret to tell you. Mm-hmm. The author was my college professor. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love, I saw that. I saw that on the email and I went, oh, that is too funny. No, I think that is perfectly okay. I wasn't telling you like to bust you. I know, I'm saying I'm sorry for you. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? She did not teach me history. What did she teach you? Symbolism in literature, which probably sounds really, really boring when you're 12, huh? Kind of, kind of not. Do you like history as a subject in school? I actually really do like history a lot. So the story of the world is a different kind of book than The Hobbit or Sherlock Holmes or The Hunger Games. But also in the story of the world, because it's a survey of the major events that happened over a fairly long time period, you just can't go into detail on any one thing. Should we look for stories for you that like really get specific about certain people or times or places? I don't really like books that are like so specific. It's sort of annoying, but I like books that are specific enough that like you can get a good idea, like a really good idea of what the people are like. Okay. So we want to spend enough time with our characters or our events that you feel like you get to know them, but we won't choose any book for you that's like a day in the life of whoever. Yeah. Ben, what are you reading right now? For fun, I'm actually reading two books. I'm reading Spy Camp, and I'm, I am reading that. Oh, then, my kids loved that series. Operation Redwood, and my mom is reading that to me. Oh, nice. Ben, how do you usually decide what you want to read? Well, I have two older sisters, so like Hunger Games, I was like, I'm going to read Hunger Games, because they were reading Hunger Games, mm-hmm. and they all liked it. Mm-hmm. And then also, 
a lot of times, like, whenever my sisters clean out their room, I sort of get to pick and choose, like, what I want to keep. They'll get rid of books that they haven't read for a really long time, and then I'll pick off some of those. Are they able to point out to you, like, hey, Ben, you probably like that, or uh, you might want to skip that one? Do they steer you? They can, yeah, but they don't. They want to give you your reading independence? Uh, I don't think they really care. So. <laughs> I have some ideas. Are you ready? Oh, I think so. Ben, I feel like every sixth grader who has ever said, I love audiobooks, has been told to read this series. But just in case you haven't, I feel like I really need to get it out there. Do you know the Redwall series by Brian Jakes? Never heard of it. Oh my gosh, we are off to such a good start. Okay, here's what you need to know. This is a fantasy series. Mm -hmm. There are, we'll go with many books in it. The description sounds super weird, okay? But you just have to go with it and give it a try because if you listen to five minutes of the audio, you'll totally be hooked. So fantasy series about a community of mice and their friends, their allies, who go into battle against a band of marauding rats led by the evil Clooney, the Scourge, who has an extremely strong tail that he uses as a weapon. So that's kind of weird. But in the story, it totally, totally works. And they have to defend their home, which is a monastery called Redwall Abbey, against this evil band of marauding rats. I think I have heard of this. I'm just not sure if I've read it. But I think you would remember if you read the stories because these are wonderful books. But the reason that I specifically wanted to recommend this to you right off the bat is because these books were written with the intent for them to be turned into amazing audiobooks. So Brian Jakes was a teacher at a school for the blind, and he wrote these stories initially for the children he taught there. So these are kids who were never, ever going to see the word on the page. He wanted them to be amazing experiences for your ears, not just for your eyes. And they make the audiobooks with full casts. They do accents. They have music. They are extremely highly produced vivid, almost over the top. Like this is an experience, not just somebody reading a book. How does that sound to you? Um, The only other book that I've ever read like that was called Pan. Okay. It was like a version of Peter Pan sort of, but it was like a really weird version. And (laughs) it it wasn't a very good book, I think. But I think it was just the characters, how they set up the characters. Like I liked how they read it, if that makes sense. I think so. Since you love The Hunger Games, it seems likely, but maybe not impossible, that you've read more by Suzanne Collins. Have you read Gregor the Overlander series? Yeah. What'd you think? That was okay. It wasn't my favorite, but it was pretty good. What'd you read first, The Hunger Games or Gregor? I think The Hunger Games. I don't often do similar authors. I just sort of like find books. I don't like look for a specific author. All right. So for readers who don't know, before The Hunger Games became like the dynamo in the YA world, Suzanne Collins' debut was the Gregor the Overlander series, which is kind of like Alice down the rabbit hole, except... In a basement. (laughs) Yeah, in a basement in New York City. (laughs) Fantasy for like more middle grade audience instead of YA. Ben, do you know the Chronicles of the Imaginarium Geographica series by James Owen? Nope. Okay, so this is a series. So if you like one, you get to put a whole bunch on your reading list. Readers either love this series or they hate it. What happens is an old man entrusts three boys with this ancient atlas that depicts a mythological land. So when he gives them the atlas, he gives them the means 
to be able to get there. So what you find out if you read the back of the book is that these three men who go on this voyage, uh, their names are Jack, John, and Charles. And what you find out if you read the back of the book, those men are Jack Lewis, C.S. Lewis. Uh, John is J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Hobbit. And Charles is Charles Williams, who isn't as well known, but he wrote fantasy thrillers. And he also was buddies with them back in Oxford. He was one of the Inklings, one of the members of their literary discussion group. So what I really like is that this is a fun fantasy series. There's all kinds of references to books you will have read. And since you love The Hobbit so much, but you can only read, I mean, even if you read The Hobbit again and again and again, Tolkien's never going to write another book along those lines that you can read because he is done with his writing. Um, I love how you can revisit that world because there's so many reference and hints of The Hobbit and also of Narnia in this story. Also, the audiobook is really good, but I have to say that the first book is strong but the second one and the following ones are generally thought to be better by readers. How does that sound? Mm, this doesn't sound like a book like for me. This sounds like a lot of times I've gotten recommendations to books like this before mm -hmm. and I tried them and then I didn't really like them. Is it the fantasy that doesn't appeal to you? Yeah, they're usually just like too strong fantasy Okay, so The Hunger Games is realistic in some ways. It feels a little bit closer to your own life. Feels like it could happen because they do explain like how the capital comes around and stuff and the earthquakes and then the floods and then there's the war and then all that stuff. Which totally makes sense to me. But what about The Hobbit? I'd really like to think I'm not going to meet any of those terrifying creatures in the woods one day. It almost feels like they are there. We just can't find them. Also, a real possibility, since we're talking about The Hobbit, is that some books are just so good that people who don't usually like that kind of book like that book because it's that amazing. Possibility? Yeah. Let's try something a little more like you can imagine it could happen to you. Do you know, this one's pretty new, do you know the Vanderbeekers of 141st Street? I've heard of it. I'm okay. not sure. If I've read it. So it's kind of new. It's come out in the past year. So what I like about this one for you is it's realistic fiction. It's about a family, the Vanderbeeker family. They live in Harlem in New York City. And it's about five brothers and sisters who have a grumpy old landlord and they need to win him over for things to continue on a positive note for the Vanderbeeker family. So since you like the Penderwicks, I think this story has a lot in common. This is a book where the siblings also have to rally together for the sake of their family, but things don't always go as planned. It's got a lot of humor to it. I have no reason to think this might be a series, but I would like to see it become one. And it really reminds me of books I think you also might like if you haven't yet read, like the Saturdays, by Elizabeth Enright and The Moffats. Do you know those books? Have you read those books? Uh, neither of them. Okay. Okay. How does realistic New York City fiction sound to you? Mm, pretty good. All right. So we have Redwall. Mm-hmm. You've read Gregor the Overlander. Yeah. We're going to skip Chronicles of the Imaginarium Geographica. Mm-hmm. So we need one more for you. No, you just gave me the... We got to get you some more books while we're talking. Got it. Okay. What do you know about Sammy Keys? I have no idea. All right. Um, these are mysteries and they're funny. Is that a good start? 
Yes. Okay. This is also a series that has like almost 20 books in it. Sammy is a girl, but she's a tough girl. And when the series opens, she's in seventh grade. And then as the books go along in time, she gets older, kind of like in the Harry Potter books. Like you meet Harry when he's 11 and then you leave him when he's 16. Exactly. It's similar, except this is not a book a year. So Sammy is not 27 when the series ends. Sammy solves mysteries in her small town. The audiobooks are really good. And these are books that grownups read because they're fun. And sixth and seventh graders read them because they find Sammy very relatable. So the first book is called Sammy Keys and the Hotel Thief. And she has a really great relationship with her grandmother. Her parents are a little, that's that's a little complicated, but she has a great relationship with her grandmother. So even though Sammy is in seventh grade, um, she lives with her grandmother and she's living there illegally in a California apartment building that is supposed to be just for people who are older than 65. And Sammy is not older than 65. So she's hanging out with her grandma one afternoon and she gets out of grandma's binoculars and she starts checking out what's going on in the neighborhood. And she happens to witness a burglary in the Heavenly Hotel. So there's been this series of robberies and she spotted the latest one. And obviously she has to figure out what happened. So these are fun. They're relatable. There's a mystery element, but they're not like dark and creepy. They're just kind of um, intriguing. How does that sound? That sounds amazing. Fantastic. Well, I really hope that you like the first one because that would keep you in books for a really long time. And Ben, while we are talking, I just need to drop some authors in your lap. Based on what you like, have you read any Kate DiCamillo? Oh, Flora and Ulysses. Yes. And also because of Winn-Dixie. Yes, that's a great one. That's a great one to listen to also. The Green Ember series. I've read a book called Green Glass Palace and one called City of Embers. Similar, but not the same. You know, I didn't realize how popular those words were in, in titling. Uh, Catherine Patterson might be a good one. Also, Lewis Sacker, especially Holes. Mostly because it's my favorite. I've seen the movie. I've never read the book, though. I've read the book and I've never seen the movie. Really? The preview looked a little... uh, I don't know. You know how it is when you read the book first, right? Oh, yeah. Like Percy Jackson. I've only read the first book and I haven't seen the movie. They're nothing like the book. Like, at all. I always think it's so strange when that happens. But it's like a good movie. It's just not like the book. Just not like the book. Okay, last one. Carl Hyacin especially flush because it's funny, realistic, a little bizarrely, but lots of fun. Got it. Ben, what do you think you're going to read next? I think I might do the um, Sammy Key. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks so much for talking books with me today. Thank you for like giving me books. After we recorded with Ben, his mom, Celeste, emailed us to give us the inside scoop about Ben's experience recording the show and how he liked the books I recommended. Here's what Celeste wrote. Immediately after he hung up on Skype, Ben pronounced, that was awesome. This will keep me in books for a year or half a year. His other immediate reaction was, I'm really glad they can edit the podcast. What if you could hear my fart? And subsequent hysterical laughter by boy and mom. Had he met you before, I'm sure he would have happily explained the situation, but he was trying to be on his best behavior. 
Okay, back to me. I was happy to hear how Ben ended up loving Sammy Keys. Here he talks about why. I really like the Sammy Keys book because it's suspenseful and it makes you think it's one person, but then it's like, nah, it's not that person. It kind of like gets you a little bit confused, but in a good way, and I like that. There's a lot of character development in it too. Celeste also wanted to let me and What Should I Read Next listeners know a little more about the research and work she's done to learn more about dyslexia. She wrote, Since Ben was diagnosed right when he turned six, he has led our family and me in particular down a path of education and awareness about dyslexia. I went from being a Pilates teacher of 20 plus years to becoming a Wilson Reading System tutor and am now working on my master's of education in reading. I realize that switching careers is not the typical response to a child's learning difference, but I can recommend some excellent books and websites for parents and anyone who wants to learn more about dyslexia. I especially recommend Marianne Wolf's work, including her video, Embracing Dyslexia, the interviews. I can't wait to read her upcoming book, Reader Come Home, The Reading Brain in a Digital World. Listeners, there will be resources in the show notes for these if you would like to learn more about dyslexia from diagnosis to accommodation. Readers, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know Ben would love more recommendations from you and maybe your kids. So make sure to drop into the comment section and share your thoughts. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 134. That page is also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. That's whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 134. Speaking of voraciously bookish kids, next week I'm talking to author and podcaster Jen Hatmaker, who is a total reader enabler, self-described for her own children. Just, I have so few vices and I'm not a spender. I'm really thrifty and I don't buy a lot of things ever in any category except for books. My kids also know this. They know that with me, they have an automatic, unchecked, unrestrained green light when it comes to books uh, and they know it and they abuse it. And I don't even care. I, I, I know they're doing it and I still don't care because I'm like, I will buy you books. That's if that's what you want, that you will get books out of me. Tune in next week for the rest of my chat with Jen about her somewhat surprising reading tastes and habits. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or another favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. And speaking of Apple Podcasts, readers, we covet your ratings and especially reviews over there. So if you could please take two minutes and leave a review, I would personally appreciate it so much. Those reviews help other book lovers find our show and thanks in advance for helping make that happen. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Thanks to the people who make this show happen. What Should I Read Next is produced by Brenna Frederick with sound design by Callum Pekacek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. <laughs>